Hey, welcome back to the Just the Governator show. We're looking at how Matt Gates is such a fucking perv. Every single committee to an oversight committee. And once we commit to that paradigm, then you can say, okay, you don't have to create like a select committee. You just assign, you know, the Hunter Biden matter to foreign affairs. You assign vaccine injuries to the healthcare committees. You assign breaking up big tech to the commerce committee. You assign getting uh, the wokeism out of our military to the Armed Services Committee. And, you know, Jim Jordan and I started talking like this many months ago, and we've heard Kevin McCarthy really dovetail into that thinking quite nicely. So what was once kind of a radical, unprecedented perspective on how to utilize the majority now has become pretty mainstream. And what we have to fight against are oftentimes the Republicans who want to take power and then just return it to the lobby corps. I don't want to win this election so that we can just debate over who gets to be a valet for the special interests. And that's why I think we've got to get the right people through these primaries. Uh, we certainly need some of our fighters to survive in some tough general elections. And then our leadership has to be held to account so that we don't just revert to the neoconservative, uh, totally owned by the lobbyists mean of American politics. So that is a man that wants to make the entirety of the next two years, again, if the Republicans take back the House, all about revenge and investigating the crimes of the Democrats of Fauci and all of that. But what we should know is that things are just heating up again, guys. A bombshell report just came out saying that while it's been quiet for the last few months, when it comes to investigating Matt Gates, it doesn't mean he's out of the woods yet. And just the opposite, we are nearing an inflection point. And this isn't some random little report. Eight sources minimum all confirmed that Matt Gates is in big trouble and the next shoe is just about to drop. It says the federal probe that generated national attention for a few weeks last year has since quieted down, but it's not over. Eight people with direct knowledge of the probe confirmed to the Daily Beast that the case is still unfolding, albeit at a methodical pace, as federal prosecutors work their way across a number of spokes of possible criminality. While each zone has its own set of witnesses, subjects, and targets, all of it spirals out from one man, Bates' former wingman, Joel Greenberg. Lyle Mazin, a criminal defense attorney who represented a witness in the case, told the Daily Beast that the quiet should not be misconstrued as reluctance on the part of Roger Hanberg, a federal prosecutor who led the local team conducting, investiga conducting the investigation and now leads the Florida Middle District di District Attorney's Office. He's methodical. He doesn't let anything go, Mazin said. If he's going after a monster, you have to get it right, especially when you have a bunch of Trump supporters who will come after you. So Matt Gates is worried right now, folks. This is one of the things hitting him. And of course, he's getting all of these inside tips because he has a lot of friends in high places. They might not ultimately be able to save him. Remember, not even Donald Trump gave him the pardon. But if the investigation is about to heat up, if it's about to hit him directly, we now have a sense that he knows that. And so he's working overdrive right now. Make it all about the criminality of my political enemies if we take back the House. He's likely to win his seat because it's deep right. He just won his primary. So from Congress, he is going to use his power there to attack people for Where being crooks running? and crooked and corrupt while he is under investigation for trafficking and other things that could put him away for life. Yeah. Don't let Gates fool you. Awesome. He is afraid right now. He is absolutely terrified. The investigation the is heating up. Greenberg continues to share very house. He's likely to win his seat because it's deep right. He just won his primary. So from Congress, he is going to the use his power there to attack people for being crooks and crooked and corrupt while he is under investigation for trafficking and other things that could put him away for life. 
Wait, hold on. What does it say? Oh, oh fuck. I do really this. Okay, it says the most serious crime is child sex trafficking punishable by up to life in prison. Something Berg said. There's a 10-year mandatory minimum. Huh. The more information that comes out, the fewer defenses Matt seems to have left. Ha ha. Ha ha. He is afraid right now. He is absolutely terrified. The investigation is heating up. Greenberg continues to share very critical details about all of the people he knew. And fundamentally, Gates has to be at the top of that list. We don't know ultimately if he's going to be charged. But the charges are closer than they've ever been. He could go away for life. And right now, oh, he's scrambling to make Another anybody else look as bad as he does. Oh, that'd be so great. One down. Audible is the best place to listen to for everyone. For story people, comedy people, curious people, and people who want something new right now. Audible has... Okay, let's see the comments. Given what Gates has done, Trump just sees a younger version of himself. How could he not endorse them? Yep. Thank you, Christopher, for continuing exposing the truth. Hugs. Look what... Look who's talking about decision-making... The guy who decided to go after teenagers in order to satisfy his sick, need, sick wants. I want to assign him over to the serving in prison committee. They can have oversight of his rations and the money he's given on his books in prison. It seems to me that the ones who are most guilty of the crimes are the ones that can't keep their mouth shut and do all the talking. You know the guy with the sign, the guy at Steve Bennett's trial? We need him to follow Matt Getz around. That guy is a patriot. Love this news. The storm definitely is brewing big time. This guy is a damn cartoon character. Hopefully his time in Congress is coming to an end. With the video update and the former guy and now Gates, it's like Christmas morning. <laughs> Why hasn't Matt been arrested? Seriously. Let's see what people say. Because the Satan. Oh. Simple. Rich and white. And that's the bottom line. Greenberg is still talking maybe about him. Who's Greenberg? Who the fuck is Greenberg? Ha ha. Ha ha ha. ...increasingly popular among many progressives, and for a very good reason. Because it really captures the way in which people on the right attack us all the time. Which is that every accusation is actually a confession. It's all projection. That whenever you hear something, attack us all the time. Which is that every accusation is actually a... Guys, there's a saying that's becoming increasingly popular among many progressives, and for a very good reason. Because it really captures the way in which people on the right attack us all the time, which is that every accusation is actually a confession. It's all projection, that whenever you hear something from the right about how the left are doing this or doing that, whether it's immoral or illegal or what have you, they are actually doing the same thing, if not much, much worse than that. And that applies maybe above all to Matt Gates, because right now he's going hard on this idea that if the Republicans take back the House in November, they should 
should be investigating everybody with every committee. And the reason he's doing this, guys, it's no coincidence, is because the investigation into the crimes he's accused of, which could put him away in prison for it's life, so is just heating up again. Here. Listen to Gates and his insanity here, and then we'll contextualize it. We're going to see Fauci as the this front end of this Charlie wave. Kirkshire. I think you're going to see Mayorkas maybe Garland, others who know that they're going to be before our committees answering questions that really will harm the Biden government because it'll expose how the decision-making has been so corrupt and so lashed to improper influences, a lot of which you cover and a lot of which go back to the Chinese Communist Party. So I think there's going to be a wave of people who don't want to see what happens in January. But I have... Uh, a vision that is specific for the Republican control of the House and divided government. We have to convert every single. Oh, jeez. People are fucking weirdos. Alright. Um. Owner CEO wants her gone. Ha ha ha. Wonder, that sounds interesting. Let's check it out. Scambirds, scambirds. Okay, so my mom who's 67. She looks amazing, by the way. Just got her teeth done. Hey. Hey, what are you doing here? Look, it looks so amazing. They did such a good job. All right, mom, tell everyone how you got your two bombshell pieces of Aquaman news just dropped and neither of these are good for AH. You have the guy in charge right now, David Zasloff, the person who has been firing almost everyone that lost money looking at Aquaman and saying, you know what? I'm not happy with this product. He's the guy that canned a $70 million project in Batgirl. Just threw it away. Said we're not going to put that out there. He's not happy because he doesn't think Aquaman is going to make the money it should. And you know that has to deal with AH. Now this second bombshell oh, it confirms that there's series too as they disappeared. Aquaman, Why'd King of Atlantis. Johnny that Depp show in it. was from James Wan. You know the director of Aquaman. It was thought to number one be untouchable. Number two, to hype up Aquaman 2. Well, guess what? Neither of those that came to pass. Now, you and I, we're going to talk about this and much, much more today. And remember, Warner Brothers is refusing to hype Aquaman 2 at all. They wouldn't hype it at San Diego Comic-Con. They're talking about moving the release date again, which says they have no confidence that it won't Bomb. They know they've had problems. They know this will have problems too. They've been cutting down roles. Oh man, I mean this this is fun times, huh? This is fun times indeed. <laughs> Alright, so hey there to all you fine folks on this fine day, by the way. I hope you are doing excellently. And this news about David Zasloff, oh it really is bombshell news. Why? Because the man in charge here, he can't and we'll fire anyone. The key word there is we'll fire anyone. He's been firing people left and right, and that is including 
everyone that has stood up to protect AH over the last few years. Now she's fair game. Now, David Zasloff, apparently, he isn't happy about how test screenings are going. He's looking at other superhero movies. He's looking at the numbers they're pulling in. Then he's looking at Aquaman 2. And people, like I said, they're not happy about that movie. He knows exactly why they're not happy about it. And yeah, there is talk about him wanting change here. Now, he's not going to can this movie either like Batgirl. You know, like I said, he came in, he canned a $70 million movie. Well, he's not going to can a movie with a budget of $200 million. What he can do, though, and there is a lot of talk about doing this as well, is getting rid of the problem that is in Aquaman, just cutting that part out. We've already heard about how the role has been reduced already. Yeah, like I said, huge news. When the person in charge sets their sights on you and says that problem right there, that problem is one we can make go away. Now, this second headline, oh, it is just as important. Why? Because it tells you that David Zasloff and Warner right now, they don't consider the Aquaman franchise safe. Even things that have been put out. And to make this very clear, Aquaman, King of Atlantis, that wasn't in production. That was already available on HBO Max. Wow. Yeah, it's not anymore. Now, as far as this show is concerned, too, many people saw this as a message from Warner Brothers and an insulting one at that, saying, we can do anything that we want with the Aquaman franchise. We're not going to listen to you and your complaints about Aquaman and AH. We're going to do what we want. We're going to put this show out, and you know what? It's going to succeed. It didn't, though. It didn't succeed like many other shows haven't succeeded for Warner Brothers since they made these moves. Now you have David Sasloff. He comes in. He says, you know, we're going to get rid of this. We're going to get rid of 36 other titles as well. That includes 20 original series, which tells you that nothing nothing at all is safe now what i find really interesting about this is that james Wan it was attached to this project and in the past aquaman first and foremost that was untouchable this this was supposed to be a bridge between aquaman one Aquaman 2, it was supposed to fill in, it was supposed to diffuse and make people forget, but more importantly, it came from James Wan, who was at the helm of both movies. Now, in the past, this guy was untouchable, and it was rumored that James Wan and Jason Momoa, they were the two people that stood up for AH. Again, those people, you couldn't touch them before. Their word, it meant something. Now you have David Zasloff come in. He removes a product from James Wan saying, yeah, I'm going to do anything that I want out here. Now, as far as Aquaman 2 is concerned, this news here, it isn't happening in a vacuum. You can see other news coming up. It tells you that Warner Brothers knows that there's a problem here. David Zasloff, he knows that changes need to happen. And he will make changes, you know, because his job is contingent on making money at Warner Brothers. And they're afraid to talk about Aquaman 2 as it is because of controversy. That came through very clearly with the DC panel at 2022 San Diego Comic-Con, where they talked about two movies, the movies Black Adam and Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Both of those movies, they drop 
late 2022. There were no movies mentioned from 2023 whatsoever. And beyond that, and this tells you that there's a real problem and they're still making changes. They also, they didn't sell any merchandise connected to Aquaman 2. They shut down the floor show. So, no statuettes, no figures. They think that this thing, it is so controversial now. You can't talk about it, and you can't sell anything with it, including hype. I mean, that, yeah, that tells you that they are willing to make changes. Now, there are other major indications that there are huge problems with this movie. As in, David Zasloff and crew don't think it's going to make a billion dollars. They think this thing will fail and utterly like moving around not only its release dates, but the release dates of other movies as well. I think that Fantastic Beats 3 really spooked them. I mean, they saw what happened with that because they kept it there. They had controversy pop up, not just from an actor, but because they replaced JD on that movie. They did that over what, really? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have problems with that, I mean, imagine the problems you're going to encounter with Aquaman 2. David Zasloff, too. This is all that he's seen from this company. It's controversy after controversy after controversy. In fact, the merger from Warner Brothers Discovery, that happened on the first day of the trial. So as far as Aquaman is concerned, he's never seen positive headlines or positive hype coming out about this. All he's seen is damage control. He knows the reason that damage control has to happen. Like I said, he's telling you nothing is safe. I'm not happy about this. This, it isn't good for AH at all. But anyway, let me know what you think about all of this stuff. And as always, I appreciate the heck out of you. you Why don't they just fucking work. fire Thank her? You. I can't say that enough. Thank you. You want to...
So shout out to um shout out to K A M P Student Radio at the University of Eric Stoner. Alrighty then. Okay. You guys are still there, right? Yep. Hi, lovies. Shout out to KPYT, Pasquale Yankee Tribal Radio. On the res with Trista. And we are um, kind of surfing, surfing YouTube. GOPs. Will Smith's apology to Chris Rock's office first time. I just didn't argue it's a real black belt person, but the lawyers didn't want the jury to see and why. We've seen your celebrity spread you would find out about marathon. That sounds interesting. Well, it's closing in. Nine days ago. Uh, we have already, I've already listened to that. Private investigator hired by Amber Heard to get dirt on Jenny Depp reveals all. <laughs> 9,400 9, year origin of ancient Egypt discovered in underground pyramids. 11 months ago, archaeology, DTTV. Copy and cursey words. Jenny Depp and Amber Heard unsealed devices discovery and transcripts. Three weeks ago. Amber Heard's full TRO, Depot, Lawyer, Analysis. Ricky Martin, oh no. What is Ricky Martin supposedly have done? Was she a madam and saying was Amber Heard a madam like Maxwell? How guilty is Elon Musk? Oh my god, mega terror threat. Ooh. 
That sounds great. Michael Cohen, Malcolm Nance. I've heard of a before seen 2016 testimony with Jeff Frame, Megan Markle, Judge Naturally Curly Hair, and Surprise Video Call. So what? For Trump president. Oh, one day ago, top leaders said justice finally coming for Trump as investigations ramp up politics. Girl, did I see this? Atlantis and uh, wow, the, uh, the Atlantis experiment. Wow, what is that? It looks like, um, oh yeah, initiation. Gaia. Celebrity autopsy reports. Rita Hoff pledges her support. Uh, Amber Heard fires Elaine? Question mark. Office man too delayed. Oh man. Let's see, what the fuck, Angelina Jolie versus Brad Pitt, news, Amber Heard, stands defend Michelle Branch. Oh. What a 15 year old mass killer looks like. We heard Tony Depot. Okay, let's go back. Girl, yeah, that's my priority. My priority right now. My priority until until face is is uh barred from public office. That's my number one goal. Number two is is fucking um locked up. But if they refuse to lock him up, I'll settle for that. One is I just didn't want to be wrong. And the other is, if I was right, democracy is in better shape. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's nice to not be wrong, but also it's nice to know democracy is doing what it's supposed to do. Let me some politics, girl. Girl podcast. I'm your host, Lee McGowan. Let's get into it. Today's episode is a candid conversation with my first return guest, author and lawyer Terry Canfield. Terry has published over a dozen books, as well as articles, essays, stories, and legal briefs over the past 30 years. Her political analysis has been used in the Washington Post, CNN, NBC, and most major news outlets. She is also one of my go to lawyers because of her brilliant insight on legal and constitutional matters. Terry is a careful and thoughtful thinker who doesn't get caught up in the drama of a moment. 
When we last had her on the show, she was the one reminding us that just because we weren't seeing the results we wanted in the timing we'd like didn't mean that the wheels of justice weren't turning. Despite all the crowing for locking Trump up or insisting the DOJ tell us what they were investigating, Terry has always stood firm on the idea that the fact that we are seeing so little is actually good news for the health of the rule of law. She stressed how important it was to not rush the process or abandon the rules simply because we wanted certain results. One party has made it very clear that they're ready to abandon democracy and the rule of law, and Terry was equally clear that we shouldn't help them do that by abandoning the rule of law ourselves. No matter how hungry we are for justice, we have to play by the rules if we want to keep living in a country with rules. Five months later, we can see that she was right when so many others were wrong. That Merrick Garland has been working diligently and quietly to dot all the I's and cross all the T's, and now we can see that justice is on its way. Despite the fact that we still know so little about what's going on, I'm having Terry on today to talk about the search of Mar-a-Lago and what it means for the country, the rule of law, and the Republican enablers and justice itself. So without further ado, please welcome lawyer, author, and my favorite social media legal expert, Terry Canefield. Welcome back, Terry. Hi, thank you for having me again. Oh, well, thank you for coming. You know I love you, and I love it. When I'm seeing you vindicated here, because you have been saying the same thing all along, and now we're starting to see some action. Um, so let's get right into it. On Monday, August 8th, the FBI, federal warrant in hand, served Donald Trump's Florida home Mar-a-Lago to attempt to recover top secret and sensitive documents he was holding there. Documents that did not belong to him, that his lawyers had previously signed an affidavit that said he had returned, and documents that were not properly stored to reflect the critical nature of the national security to America. As I said in a recent rant, the FBI serves search warrants every day. This is not some brand new thing that we're doing. Warrants are needed when law enforcement has to move quickly on a criminal investigation because they're concerned that sensitive materials might be in danger of being moved or concealed or destroyed. And a search warrant doesn't necessarily indicate the accusation of a crime or the subject's guilt, but it does indicate a sense of urgency because it's only used when law enforcement can prove that a subpoena or a summons or a request isn't going to work. And in this case, that was the case. Now, you recently did a breakdown on your blog at terrycanefield.com about the insane events surrounding this warrant being served, which you called perhaps the weirdest week in American presidential history, which <laughs> I thought was exactly right. And your post attempted to answer two questions. One, why did Trump tell everyone about the search when it could have been kept quiet? And two, knowing what we know now, why is the GOP continuing to rally around this quite obvious lawbreaker. So let's talk about that, right? What are your thoughts? Well, starting with the week, sort of the crazy <laughs> things that happened. Uh, well, after the search, nobody talked about it at the time. It didn't go public. The DOJ didn't announce anything. It could have been very quiet. But Trump went public, and he didn't just go public, but he called it a raid and a siege, and his home was being occupied, almost like a military occupation. And um, this was sort of annoying because what really happened was that they showed up with the search warrant, they were allowed in, they looked for the stuff they needed, and they stayed to what the search warrant indicated they could take. They took the stuff that they needed that was rightfully theirs, um, belonged to the government, and they left. So it wasn't anything like a raid or a, a military occupation. And so why did they go public with this? Well, oddly enough, we found out later, um, which what didn't surprise me, uh, we found out later that he was actually upbeat during this search. He was actually upbeat. This is the Washington Post um, 
I have it linked on my website. The Washington Post reported that he was persuaded that the DOJ had overreached and that this would play into his hands politically. So he's complaining about it, but he's also feeling kind of like, ah, they, they see they've done the wrong thing and it's going to make me look good and it's going to work in my favor. Well, when he complained about it, what he did is he, is he tried to cast it as um, the, and in fact, he said, the left radical Democrats are after me. And because they're after me, they're after you. So it wasn't so much a complaint. It looked like a complaint. It wasn't so much a complaint as it was an attempt to create a media narrative that he believed would help him politically. He's been off stage. Nobody's been paying attention to him. DeSantis has been getting lots of attention. Now he believed that the DOJ overreached and that this is going to play into his hands. So he immediately cast it in public as they're coming against me, they're going to come against you. It's a, the radical left Democrats have, have targeted me. And he created what he liked, which is an us versus them, the bad, evil DOJ coming against me. And so now he's front and center, and everybody has to take sides. This is how residents are getting out of debt. What is Arizona Debt Relief? It's an organization that helps state residents get help for unmanageable debt through... Everybody has to take sides. Are you going to side with Donald Trump? Or are you going to side with the radical left Democrats? Well, now he's created an us versus them situation where he thinks everybody's going to come to his side. And he wasn't wrong about what the GOP leadership did. So what he did is he, he decided to cast the whole thing as a cultural war. And um, he's now back to the back to center stage. And people were sure leading up to um, the release of the search warrant, people were sure that he really didn't want this released. Uh, why would he want it released? Because it made him look bad. Um, but it turned out he did want it released. It is kind of a strange attitude considering the nature of the documents, right? That we know we're missing. I mean, this is sensitive, intelligent information. And it is kind of a weird attitude to be like, what? So I had it. So what? Like, it is a very odd combination. But if you're looking at it like he needed to get back into center stage, he needed to get back into the spotlight, he needed to make an us versus them narrative, then it makes a little more sense. Because it's not like the National Archives hadn't asked for these things back already. It's not like they hadn't even come to Mar-a-Lago to get them back already. So this isn't new. He also, apparently, that was his first reaction. But then later, this was compounded with some serious panic because he I should think started, so but not at first not at first and that's what was weird but it was later in the day it wasn't that much later that he panicked a little bit and thought oh my god are they really going to are they really going to prosecute me um he did apparently did not think this was possible now um i can tell you that people who are searched are very rattled afterwards that's generally what happens you're rattled afterwards it's, it's really unnerving and um but it wasn't until a little bit later that he, he started to panic a little bit and think are they really really going to come after me but he didn't actually think so but i i think the two came together with go ahead and prosecute me and then i become a, a victim and yeah, big um, martyr and then everybody has to rally behind me so now nobody's going to think about this anymore <laughs> 
Well, I'd love it if we didn't think about DeSantis anymore, but I, I don't think that's a possibility. Now, approving this search isn't the only thing Merrick Garland and the DOJ did that week, right? He indicted the four police officers connected with the shooting death of Breonna Taylor. The DOJ issued subpoenas to Pennsylvania lawmakers who tried to replace their electors with Trump electors. Um, there's at least three sealed indictments that have been filed that we don't even know about yet uh, with the Mar-a-Lago search. He's been really busy, Merrick Garland. Like every day there's a new thing that we hear that he's been working on quietly in the shadows, which is how it, justice should be done um, until they're ready to do something with it. And for many years, I mean, but at least for this past year, people on the left particularly have been insistent that Merrick Garland was dropping the ball, right? That he wasn't investigating Trump and that he was incompetent or he was a coward or if he was investigating Trump, then he should be saying so. But Garland always refused, citing the rule of law, right? And we now know that Trump is being investigated, not because Garland told us, but because Trump did, right? So what's your thought on that? Well, another thing we learned very recently was that Philbin and um, that Philbin was called before a grand jury about this matter last spring. And who is Philbin? He was the assistant, I think, White House counsel to Cipollone. Right. So, and Cipollone was also in front of a grand jury, but we don't actually know when. But think about this. Last spring, Philbin was before a grand jury talking about this matter. Now, um, one of the questions I kept getting is, we know Merrick Garland isn't doing anything because if he was, we would hear about grand jury subpoenas. And what I said was, no, you only hear about grand jury subpoenas from people who talk about them, and the only people who talk about them, they're what we call hostile witnesses. They don't want to be there. They pro probably have criminal liability. But there are a lot of witnesses who are just delighted to go. Um, who say, yeah, I'll, I'll go talk. A good pro tip rule of thumb, if there's, a, if there's a, um, an incident that's being invested as a crime, and you were part of that, and you are afraid you have criminal liability, it's really a bad idea to tick off the prosecutors. So some people who might have criminal huh. it. So what? Like, it is a very odd combination. But if you're looking at it like he needed to get back to center stage, he needed to get back into the spotlight, he needed to make an us versus them narrative, then it makes a little more sense because it's not like the National Archives hadn't asked for these things back already. It's not like they hadn't even come to Mar-a-Lago to get them back already. So this isn't new. He also, apparently, that was his first reaction, but then later this was compounded with some serious panic because he... I should started, think so. But not at first. Not at first, and that's what was weird. But it was later in the day. It wasn't that much later that he panicked a little bit and thought, "Oh my God, are they really going to are they really going to prosecute me?" Um, he did apparently did not think this was possible. Now, um, I can tell you that people who are searched are very rattled afterwards. That's generally what happens. You're rattled afterwards. It's, it's really unnerving. And um, but it wasn't until a little bit later that he started to panic a little bit and think, are they really, really going to come after me? But he didn't actually think so. But I, you know? I think the two came together with, go ahead and prosecute me, and then I become a, a victim. And yeah, big um, martyr. And then everybody has to rally behind me, so now nobody's going to think about DeSantis anymore. <laughs> well, I'd love it if we didn't think about DeSantis anymore, but I, I don't think that's a possibility. Now, approving this search isn't the only thing Merrick Garland and the DOJ did that week, right? He indicted the four police officers connected with the shooting death of Breonna Taylor. The DOJ issued subpoenas to Pennsylvania lawmakers who tried to replace their electors with Trump electors. Um, there's at least three sealed indictments that have been filed that we don't even know about yet. Uh, 
the Mar-a-Lago search. He's been really busy, Merrick Garland. Like, every day there's a new thing that we hear that he's been working on quietly in the shadows, which is how justice should be done, um, until they're ready to do something with it. And for many years, I mean, but at least for this past year, people on the left particularly have been insistent that Merrick Garland was dropping the ball, right? That he wasn't investigating Trump and that he was incompetent or he was a coward or if he was investigating Trump that he should be saying so. But Garland always refused, citing the rule of law, right? And we now know that Trump is being investigated, not because Garland told us, but because Trump did, right? So what's your thought on that? Well, another thing we learned very recently was that Philbin and um, that Philbin was called before a grand jury about this matter last spring. And who is Philbin? He was the assistant, I think, White House counsel to Cipollone. Right. So, and Cipollone was also in front of a grand jury, but we don't actually know when. But think about this. Last spring, Philbin was before a grand jury talking about this matter. Now, um, one of the questions I kept getting is, we know Merrick Garland isn't doing anything because if he was, we would hear about grand jury subpoenas. And what I said was, no, you only hear about grand jury subpoenas from people who talk about them, and the only people who talk about them are what we call hostile witnesses. They don't want to be there. They probably have criminal liability. But there are a lot of witnesses who are just delighted to go, um, who say, yeah, I'll I'll go talk. A good pro tip of them, if there's there's um, an incident that's being invested as a crime, you were part of that, and you are afraid you have criminal liability, it's really a bad idea to tick off the prosecutors. So some people who might have criminal liability and they're not sure and they want to try to get the best deal they can, they don't talk about it. But a witness who is happy to go talk about it won't tell us. So it turned out that while everybody was saying, well, we don't, we know for sure there's no investigation because we hear about it from the grand juries turns out Philbin was in front of the grand jury. So we don't know what's going on back there, and we're not supposed to. No, we're not supposed to. No, we're not supposed to know, right? But, okay, so let's talk about those people were not talking, which they weren't supposed to do. They were happy to talk in grand juries, and then the Justice Department could move along. But let's talk about Megaworld and their reaction to all of this. Right-wing media, Republican public.
politicians, Trump world spokespeople, they're all out here attacking the Department of Justice now, right? Claims of witch hunts and political intimidation and saying it's all motivated by animosity and bad faith and that they should all have a press conference to explain himself. He needed to explain himself. He needed to say why he was there. Release the search warrant. Prove what you're doing, um, which of course he doesn't have to do. And in many ways to be fair and apolitical, he absolutely shouldn't do, right? Lindsey Graham was insisting the DOJ and the FBI lay their cards on the table and Ted Cruz wrote in all caps, release the warrant now. And a bunch of right-wing people were saying, if they can do this to a former president, what can they do to you? You know, that the FBI is just compromised and planting evidence. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is talking about defunding the FBI and everyone's a deep state actor and blah, blah, blah. And they really riled people up so much that in a day, they had someone physically opening fire on the FBI, right? This shooter who was at the Capitol on January 6th and very committed to true social and all the right-wing conspiracy theories wrote that the search of Mar-a-Lago was a call to arms and people needed to kill
cross-breeding experiments in hell. Also referred to as human Zs, which is fun to say. Huh. Look, here are the facts, people. We're very close to chimpanzees, DNA-wise. Around 98% of our DNA is shared with these hairy fellows. Back in the 1920s, we got closer than ever. A human Z was not just a fantasy. Soviet biologist Ilya Avanov inseminated female chimps with human DNA, but it didn't work. Or did it? Things got questionable when a chimp named Oliver hit the scene in the 70s. Yeah, he was walking like a human, which we've never really seen before. He was referred to as the missing link because of his appearance and the way he would act. He was previously a performance animal. He was a show chimp, so not a hybrid, but many viewed these experiments as immoral back in the day. Which is, yeah, I agree. Also, I remember seeing chimps in family movies, pretty sure. Remember those movies growing up where chimpanzees were like snowboarding or playing hockey? Most extreme primate, that was it. That's where we're at, chimpanzees doing barrel rolls and hockey stops. My friends, we're already there. I think we're already at the Planet of the Apes terrifying point. We're screwed if one of these experiments works, that's all I'm saying. Number nine, human cow eggs. Okay, we had a few giggles talking about chimps. Time to get into the real scary science. Back in 2008, hybrid research was being done. Human-animal hybrid research, obviously. The whole idea was to find a cure for Parkinson's disease. I like these projects because we're moving forward, at least. We're not just doing it because we're like, eh, let's see if we can bring dinosaurs back. We're trying to find a solution. Otherwise, we don't need to be poking around cows. Nobody needs three bowls of cereal before gym class, okay? There's other ways to wake up in the morning. Let's just leave cows alone for like a bit, maybe? Scientists used the nucleus of a cow egg. They took it out and replaced that nucleus with a human and skin cells. And then in a little time, the egg can develop and turn into a blastocyst, aka a cloned embryo. And there we have stem cells for said science. Again, this is a lovely step, but how far do we go here with DNA mixing? How much DNA are we going to mix before we're like, so stop? What Things could go south. For example, just like the number eight, Kunga. Perhaps the earliest example of human-animal hybrid testing. Scientists recently learned about this donkey hybrid that roamed ancient Mesopotamia. This was a time even before horses arrived, so they had to do something. Large Kungas would pull wagons, and smaller ones would help pulling plows and smaller loads. These little guys were the talk of the town. Imagine a hybrid animal before horses. No wonder they were a status symbol back then. 4,000 years ago, they were given as gifts for weddings. Nice, yummy. Oh, I wonder what this one is. <laughs> It's definitely a kunga. It's gotta be a kunga. After so long, scientists are finally able to figure out what exactly a kunga was a hybrid of. It was a female donkey and a male Syrian wild ass. Yeah, it's crazy what you can still learn from ancient animal bones from thousands of years ago. Science is incredible. It's more amazing how involved this hybrid was in Mesopotamian culture. Do we bring back the kunga? I don't know. Kinda seems like we could use them. Number seven, woolly mammoth. It was announced less than a year ago that a team of... Number nine, human cow... <laughs> woolly mammoth. It was announced less than a year ago that... The number eight, Kunga. Perhaps the earliest example of human-animal hybrid testing. Scientists recently learned about this donkey hybrid that roamed ancient Mesopotamia. This was a time even before horses arrived, so they had to do something. Large Kungas would pull wagons, and smaller ones would help pulling plows and smaller loads. These little guys were the talk of the town. Imagine a hybrid animal before horses. No wonder they were a status symbol back then. 4,000 years ago, they were given as gifts for weddings. Nice, yummy. Oh, I wonder what this one is. <laughs> It's definitely a kunga. It's gotta be a kunga. After so long, scientists are finally able to figure out what exactly a kunga was a hybrid of. It was a female donkey and a male Syrian wild ass. Yeah, it's crazy what you can still learn from ancient animal bones from thousands of years ago. Science is incredible. It's more amazing how involved this hybrid was in Mesopotamian culture. Do we bring back the kunga? I don't know. Kinda seems like we could use them. Number seven, woolly mammoth. It was announced less than a year ago that a team of scientists and entrepreneurs over 
over at a new biosciences and genetics company called Colossal, they got the funding finally for quite this project. The planning to bring the woolly mammoth back to life. Yep. Instead of just paying off student loans, they're like, how about we bring a mammoth back? Let's just see if we can do that. That'll solve some problems. The last mammoth alive was around 7,500 years ago. But what if we had these hairy goliaths back again today? The Siberian tundra thousands of years ago was once full of these guys, but climate change began to slow them down. Also, humans needing food definitely didn't help. These guys provided warmth and, well, obviously look at them. Lots of food. So they died off quite quick. Genetics company Colossal raised over $15 million to try and bring this thing back to life. And they're on the way. They're, they're doing it right now. That's happening as we speak. A mammoth is being born. They're using the CRISPR gene editing tool, which is a fun tool, I guess. Elephants are still kicking around in their genomes, combined with the preserved mammoth DNA, is the magic trick. So if you see mammoths trending on Twitter in four to six years, well, you know why. There's not another Ice Age movie. It's definitely just a real mammoth. Number six, Pyrenean Ibex. The Pyrenean Ibex also went extinct a long time ago. This was much sooner, though, than... There are 2,700 robocalls made every second in the U.S. Jesus Christ, go away. Than mammoths. This was around 2000. The last one was a female named Celia and a falling tree who sadly ended her life. Of all the ways to go, really? Come on, man, that's oh. sad. It was a subspecies of the Spanish ibex. They were native to the Pyrenees Mountains on the border of Spain and France. Back in the medieval ages, their population was reduced drastically to an endangered level because of, you know, knights and swords and bows okay. equals lunch, right? So the numbers dipped more than fair. This army's defeat. But in 2009, science was ready for the Pyrenean ibex to return. It was successfully cloned and brought back from extinction for seven whole minutes. Yeah, seven minutes in heaven, or seven minutes out of heaven, rather. DNA from the last living lady was implanted in the womb of a domestic goat. Yeah, a little goat, a little goat hybrid. Flood complications are why the clone sadly didn't last, but we had a hybrid medieval animal for seven minutes. We're getting close. Number five, the super cow. Moo, but with a lot of O's. Introducing the super cow. Okay, start your day off with some super milk, and then have a super stomach ache. <laughs> your super pants. My god, I can't do milk anymore. Only in Belgium. Back in the 1800s, scientists and farmers brought together native cattle and short horn cattles to make this hybrid animal. After that, they would literally just pick the biggest cows of the bunch and then have them breed together and then so on and so forth. These cows are officially called Belgian Blues, but I will continue to call them super cows. Thank you very much. That sounds amazing. I can't even look at them. God, they're disturbing. They look like bodybuilders. Just, it makes no sense. How does, what? Where does that come from? tiger. Once native to Australia, the Tasmanian tiger, also known as the thylakine, was a massive carnivorous marsupial that went extinct around the 1930s, also quite recently. Major factors here are as, you know, you guessed what I said earlier, climate change, hunting, and its genetic diversity wasn't all too great. All those combined, there's just no chance. It's sad on one hand because these beautiful creatures disappeared so recently, but it's also recent enough that we have a shot at bringing them back to life. Hey, what's up? Hey, you've been asleep. Hi. Hybrid science. There we go. Let's get mixing. Yeah, imagine looking outside and seeing this thing on your front yard. Are we ready for this? I think we're ready. Let's jazz up some trails by introducing these guys. Specimens of the Tasmanian tiger still remain preserved in jars. No idea who has them or why, but we'll move on from that. Thank God for those jars. So we have Tasmanian tiger genes present, so scientists can now insert them into a mouse fetus. They just combine fetus of a mouse into DNA. I, I do this a lot. This is how I explain. I'm going to explain this to my kids. You're like, hey, this is how, how, how the human life cycle works. You just do this with your hands a lot, and then you're alive. They're still lacking the full DNA to successfully recreate it, but they're close. A recent $5 million donation to the University of Melbourne earlier this year allowed for research.
researchers to create a research lab. So yeah, they're actually getting very close. They're like making the lab to make this thing. I'm like, ooh, they're going to do it. Number three, the Great Razor Auk. Ah, uh, yes, once thriving in colonies off North Atlantic coasts, the Great Auk would grow up to 30 inches long and its wings would only be used to swim. They were cute, but quite defenseless, these little guys. Around the 1500s, European fishermen discovered this perfect area for hunting and or eating, and it just happened to be where most of these great auks were hanging out, so they disappeared fast. By 1950, the last two known specimens were hunted by a single fisherman on LV Island, just off the coast of Iceland. And that was it. They were gone. Until now. Nice. Scientists plan on using genetic information extracted from their fossils, or preserved organs. Remember those guys in jars and the organs that I talked about? Always coming in handy. They plan on editing their DNA into the closest living species, which is now the razor-billed ox. So now we got a nice fun hybrid again. The organization Revive and Restore is behind the wheel on this one, so keep it up. Keep bringing things back from extinction. Just not humans. I don't want zombies, please. Number two, lions. Back in the 80s in the Chapir Zoo in India, they started an experimental program where they would breed together domestic lions and African lions in the hopes that they would just be introduced to the wild and help with the dwindling population of wild lions in India. On paper, that's, yeah, that's a great idea. That's a step forward. We love those. But the zoo found two African lions that were being used in a circus and was like, you know what? We're going to save you guys. Get out of the circus. Then they brought them in to breed with their two Asiatic lions. So, I mean, from circus to science, it's like, yeah, you're still sorry. When the cubs were born, it was clear this was already a mistake from the get-go. The cubs already had severely weak back legs. They were having trouble walking as they got older. Their immune system started to fail. And by 2000, they had bred more than 70 of these hybrid lions. So they finally decided to stop the program and all the males were given sectomies in order to stop any further reproduction. There are luckily laws that prohibited them from killing these animals. So at this point, we're just waiting for them to die naturally, which sucks, but it's definitely better. And finally, number one, the dodo bird. Dodo birds were once big and beautiful. These flightless ground nesting birds once filled the islands of Meridius located in the Indian Ocean. They were awesome. We've seen them in Ice Age. They're all funny and big and furry. They had massive talons. They were gray and blue. They were gorgeous. And best part of all, they didn't have any natural predator until, you know, us. We even, until we came around. Around 1507, the island was discovered by Portuguese sailors. And, well, the rest is history and or lunch. They were the easiest bird to hunt, and the phrase dead as a dodo. They weren't just loved by sailors either. They were not 100% to blame here. Monkeys, rats, pigs, any animal basically that made its way to the island easily had their eggs for lunch, so it didn't take long for the dodo bird population to be completely wiped out. The last dodo was hunted in 1681, but could it be? Could we bring back said dodo birds? Scientists found an extremely well-preserved dodo skeleton back in 2007, so we may have a chance at picking some DNA apart there and bringing them back to life via hybrid science. A research facility near Melbourne, Australia is currently trying to use pigeon genes to bring the bird back. I mean, yeah, I'm all for the idea of bringing an animal back to life scientifically. That's definitely a feat in itself, but how long before these things are on hot ones, you know? Like dodo chicken wings? Now that I've said it, you kind of want one, right? Now you feel bad. There we go. Hit that thumbs up so we don't feel guilty in the future. Those are the top 10 crossbreeding experiments from hell. I've been your host, Taylor McWaters, and we'll see you next time on Most Amazing Top 10. Bye. Animals. People making animals. People making animals in basements. This is why you don't do it. Here's why. Maybe you should. I don't know. Maybe we want the dodo bird back. Inseminated female chips with DNA. Inseminated female chips with chips? What the f***? Chimps. I can't read, man. Soviet. Soviet biologist Ilya Anovov. Oh, my God. Uh, Avanov, Avanov. I can't read Soviet names. See, things got questionable when a chimp, chimp, chimp. I can't say that word. I can't say chimp. Is that really? I'm 27 years old. Now I'm figuring this out. Quick little bath. Uh, my mouth's so dry. This guy's got millions of viewers.
still person with that on trial for kidnapping, attempted murder, a mom, law and crime network, Smithsonian live stream.